Welcome to Tulsa Titans, highlighting our local business professionals who are making a difference. I'm excited this morning. I'm with Austin Graham, co-founder of RespondFlow. Austin, can you get us started by uh, just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So um, as you mentioned, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, always appreciate you kind of talking about what we're doing here. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, like you just mentioned, I'm the co-founder of RespondFlow. Um, and... Um, you know, I'm, I, I've been, you know, a tech guy, you know, I'm the, I'm the head of engineering. So I, I do all the actual building. Um, I've been a tech guy in startups pretty much my entire career so far. I mean, I'm only 26 years old, so it's fairly short. Um, but before this, I was at some Oklahoma city startups kind of helping them out. Um, a lot of like prototyping, that's kind of my big skill set is I, I code fast. Um, and I'm a lot more product minded than a lot of other programmers are, at least that's so far I've been told. Um, and, um, you know, before that, I actually came out of, um, of graduate school. I was a PhD student at OU working on um, some machine learning. I was very interested in how humans perceive what's going on in machine learning and how we can actually be a little more human about getting uh, machines to do things for us. Um, and um, I left that. Um, I, I left at a, like kind of that master's degree level, so they gave me a master's, and, and I left to go pursue um, some more practical applications. Right. I mean, I love theory land. I'm a big math guy. You know, that's kind of where I find most of my enjoyment. Um, but I wanted to go get some practical experience. And, and uh, around that time is actually when I met my co-founders, uh, Matt and uh, Matt and Martin. And we we moved in together in Oklahoma City and we we lived together um, in a house and, and built respond flow at nights and weekends. Right. We all had our full time jobs. And um, around, I think it was May of 2020 is when we closed our pre-seed round and went full-time and really hit the gas on, on growth and, and building and just trying to make SMS easier for everybody as, as the industry has changed. No, and I love that. I love that, you know, you, you hear it all the time, but hey, we, we needed to continue to, to have revenue, right? And mm. pay for, for what we were doing in life, but we took some excess, got together and drove towards a vision. That's, that's amazing. So in this last season, has anything changed? You know, one of the questions I like to ask as everybody's seen the world change, you know, we've been working from home and then back and, and all the different things happen on the media. Um, have you scaled back any of the things you're doing and poured more times into other things or what's that look like for you? That's a fantastic question. So honestly, I think we, we founded Responflow at the right time because we didn't really have to change what we were doing, right? When we, we were already nights and weekends when COVID hit, right? So it was already just sporadic when work could actually get done. You know, we were making sub 10,000 MRR, you know, pretty small. Just, it was like three, like three guys in the house. Um, but COVID hit um, and then we went full time two months later. Right. So we've been running this company um, as full time founders during COVID to begin with. So our real adjustment has happened kind of opposite from a lot of other companies where we've had to adjust from everyone work from home, everyone remote to back in office and, and trying to to balance that um, expectation. Um, but because we were already kind of used to that remote kind of culture, it's actually been a very simple transition for us. And. I, I get this subjective belief, but I, I believe Tulsa is interesting where a lot of people feel get a higher concentration of people that are a little more wanting to be in an office, right? And, um, and we look for people that are very social. We're a very collaborative team. And so we don't do this on purpose, but we, um, as we look for people that are wanting to work with others, they generally want to be back in the office. And so we have a nice, what I believe is a really healthy balance between the two. 
um, of people that are actually here in the office with me where I am now, as opposed to those that are that are working remotely. So um, I, know, I, I can't say it's been as much of a challenge as I've seen other companies have, but of course it's um, company culture is always a challenge, especially at, at, a, at a startup. Oh, and it, it just continues, right? <laughs> it's, it, it's what makes or breaks companies all over time. Um, but we did talk off uh, mic briefly, and I do want to go here pretty quick because I think it's important. You know, there's there's a lot that did change in the tech world. It's always changing. You guys are in technology. I'm in technology. There's a lot of policy rolling out. And a lot of people, man, they just they get crushed by policy. But you guys saw an opportunity and you're actually spinning up a consulting part of your business because of that. Can you just speak to being able to see opportunity and adjust to things and not kind of sitting in the doom and gloom of what could be? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I want to point out that and, and me being a younger entrepreneur, like this is something that I didn't understand until I had to go through it was um, us having the idea out of like seeing like the, the telecom and SMS uh, world change. We didn't have our idea out of just like, oh, simple genius idea at night one day. Like we actually had to go out and talk to people, right? So we saw the regulations coming. We were kind of already in the loop with, the, with how our product ran um, with the rest of the industry. And we, um, we just went and talked to other service providers and said, like, what are you doing about this, right? We, from the guys of just like, we're also confused. Everyone's confused. This stuff's coming out and it's new and it's different. Um, you know, how are you approaching it? How are you handling it? And especially because all this is policy-based, you know, we, everyone was painting it as far as like, this is super negative. Like, we got to get around it. We got we to gotta try to fight it. We got to do all this to to make sure people can don't have to change what they're doing. When we saw the opportunity to see, like, you know, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Carriers um, and SMS are trying to actually, like, take what used to be a black box industry, right? You know, you'd send a text out via Twilio or whatever. It would fail and you would have no idea why. And it was extremely hard to ask somebody. And even then, if you could get on the phone with a rep at Twilio with any luck, then it was even, you know, less of a chance you could actually get a solid answer. Um, well, they came together with the FCC and said, let's go out and let's actually document what's happening here. And let's actually impose these regulations around it such that you have an expected behavior, right? And that's, if you talk to anyone in the SMS industry from pretty much any of these companies, the big complaint they're going to have is unexpected behavior, right? Is I send a message, I followed all the rules as best as I know them. And now all my messages are failing, I'm losing money. Um, and the big question is just like, why? Like, why is this happening and no one can answer? Well, they're all saying, we want to give you an answer. We want to tell you why this is happening. So everyone's pending this is super negative because it's not the Wild West anymore. But we saw it as this is helping not only us, but it's helping our customers. It's helping us because now we have some lanes to follow, right? So when our customer success is having to, to deal with our customers, you know, they have some knowns they can work with now. And for customers, it's as simple as just do what you say you're going to do. Right. All, all SMS is requiring you to do is kind of say who you are and what you're using your phone number for and the kind of messages you're sending. So as long as you do that, then you're golden. So what we actually saw as a company, as we started to kind of mess with this and, and put some process around it, was customers that previously had just, you know, God knows how many issues. Right. They're trying to send messages. It wasn't working. It was failing. It was it was every day they were we were out there on the phone like, why isn't this working? Let's fix it. We need to fix it. Um, you know, all of a sudden we, we got them registered, we declared them, 
and we got the phone number associated and all of a sudden we haven't heard from them in months. It's just been flying by because they're doing what they said they're going to do. And we're helping them follow the regulations rather than just saying it's your problem. You deal with it. We have too much else going on. So um, we're just going to not worry about it. And from that, we've seen just an amazing amount of inbound interest of people saying like, please help me with this. Please help me figure this out. Um, and plus it's just, uh, you know, with the attitude of like, this is helping everybody. And we truly believe that. That's not just something we're putting a face on something. We, we truly believe this is like really gonna help the industry. Um, it's made it easier, easier for us to actually partner with these regulatory bodies, right? So we're talking to the FCC now, we're talking to the campaign registry, which is kind of the tech that's running this whole thing. Um, I, um, and we're talking to all the providers and, and saying like, we're trying to accomplish this goal of making this simpler for everybody and um, and they love it. And now we have, you know, regular phone calls with these massive companies that are kind of helping us build this thing um, to make sure everyone understands why they're doing it. No, I love it, it generates new business. Um, you know, one of the patterns of, that I've noticed of what you said so far, you know, the first one is, is yeah, hey, I'm an engineer. You know, I think, I think deep learning, AI is super cool, but it's just not human enough. So I had a passion and I pursued it. And then you saw a, a problem in tech. And so you pursued it, right? Where do you get that drive from? What, what is that? What, what keeps you going when things fail? That is that's an awesome question, actually. Because um, trust me, as a PhD student, I failed constantly, probably 95% of the time. Um, and at the end of the day, I just like solving problems, right? And I, and I, um, and this, ever since I was little, I was like this, um, you know, it's, I, I'm, I remember I had a physics teacher in high school who, uh, who told me something one day, it's, you can tell, you know, how driven and how smart somebody is by how long they stick with something. Right. And it's kind of a bell curve. Like if they give up as soon as it gets hard, um, then that's fairly negative. Um, but if they spend way too long on it and get too deep in the weeds, also very negative. But it's, it's those kinds of people that there's the happy medium of understanding. I need to understand the problem before I need it, before I solve it, especially as it gets more difficult. Um, but there's also like diminishing returns. So understanding like I may need help or I may need, maybe this is not something I should be doing. Um, but yeah, I just, I like solving problems. And then I went to a PhD because of that, because I got to solve hard problems. That's what I did. I showed up in my lab in the morning and I would read papers about people solving problems. And I would uh, look at what they did and, and go find something that I was interested in and, and, um, and try to go solve it myself. And the core of it was I was having fun doing it, right? It was um, like, I time would fly by all of a sudden it'd be midnight and I'm still in the lab. Like, oh crap, I haven't eaten in 24 hours um because it's just fun and i think that really helped with the actual entrepreneurial side of things as i as i left and, and started to do this um was because you know startups are the exact same way um you know it's, it's a very bad pattern to just want to build something for the sake of building and seeing who will pay for it um the focus the successful companies really have to focus on the customer and the problem that they're having and how they can help solve it and the, what you want to do is, is build the product to help them solve that problem, not just build the product and, and then hopefully it does what it's supposed to do. Is there something you do daily that you know helps you be successful? Is there a habit that you've anchored in your life or people you strategically put there on this journey 
as you shifted from, you know, basically engineer to entrepreneur, right? There's a lot more under one title than the other. Yeah. And um, I'm really glad you asked that because I'm, I'm really not much of a self-help book because um, you read a lot of the books and see a lot of articles like, oh, I meditate every morning. I do this. And my co-founders do that kind of stuff and it helps them. And that's great. I will not denounce it in any way, shape or form. Um, the, the lesson here is certainly do what helps you to, to make you feel good and make you feel successful. Um, for me, I'm a very simple person and kind of going from engineer to entrepreneur, a very tech-minded entrepreneur, but um, it, it, it really was a big transition, right? My entire career up until now was I need to write code to do a thing. And if my tests pass, then great. And I was usually like aware of the customer problem. I was aware of the customer and what they were doing, but now I'm talking to them. Right. So now all of a sudden there's this extra skill set I needed to understand what they were telling me and turn that into what we can do to help. And especially because we're a startup, people complain dealing with people you know, talking crap about stuff I worked really hard on um, as an engineer, take that really personally. And, and that's something I really had to work to get over. And um, especially if you we've spent all this time building this thing, like seeing like when somebody if somebody churns, whether it's for a, a, a good reason or not. Um, like, you know, that, that hurts a little bit. It's like, oh, we worked so hard to get you on here and using it. Why would you leave us? Um, but there's really two things that I do that, that kind of just help me get through the day is number one, I go to therapy. Um, it really helps with just, uh, kind of talking things out, especially with third parties and, uh, who aren't in the situation. Um, um, and number two, you know, if I always say that, if I can drive home at the end of the workday, whether that be at uh, 5 p.m. or whether that be at 1 a.m., um, if I can lay in bed and think I did everything that I can could today to make this business better, then there's no reason to not feel good about you know what you've done. And I think that holds for pretty much anything that you're doing, right? It's um, whether there was a massive outage, we've had days where our platform just fell over for no reason, or whether it's just a singular customer that had a complaint if I can sit there and think like I did everything that I knew I could do um, to help them out, then, then that was a successful day. And um, understanding that, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether you have the title founder or head of or director of or whatever, or how old you are, um, you know, there are things you don't know, right? I, I came out of college thinking I was like a super genius, right? Like I was, I was going to be on the next social network movie of how, brilliant I was with all this. And I quickly learned that like, I, I, I am an engineer. I, I can build some stuff and there's a lot of stuff I don't know how to build. And that humbled me a lot. And that has served me in, in, in more ways than one. No, that's awesome. I want to, want to cue in on one of the things that you said too, uh, though, is, is on your journey being an engineer. Now I've got to learn how to communicate with people on a human level to help solve their problems and understand their problems. You know, that's recognizing a blind spot. And then you also talked about, you, you know, you need to work on something so long and you can't, you, you got to work through failure. Failure creates amazing results if you understand the problem, but you can't go down a dark rabbit hole. Well, I work with a bunch of techs and that's easy to do, right? So are there people in your life is really what I'm asking that you've allowed to speak into you to see those blind spots or are there people along the journey that you really admire that have, that have really helped you? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, number one, my other co-founders, I, I give them, you know, massive props. They, all three of us, we, we kind of do our own kind of daily standups, right? Um, where on, the, on, our, on our drives to work every morning, we'll, we'll kind of be on the phone and talk about what we're doing that day, what problems we're having. And, 
well, uh, we all kind of have our own domains. I'm, I'm, I build things, Matt markets things. Uh, Martin works the finances and he's the actual CEO. So, you know, he does all the ops and everything. And the, the thing we hold with each other is we are, um, you know, we need to be both business partners and friends, right? You know, it's, we are during the workday, we are business partners and we have to be brutally honest. And at the end of the day, we're friends. Um, and so we are all very honest with each other about how we're doing and mistakes that we're making and attitudes that we're holding. And at first that was a very negative thing because I felt hurt that my friends, I felt like were insulting me so much. Um, but, and all three of us I know felt that way, but as we got used to it, we realized like we are all here for the same reason. We want this business to be as big and as awesome as we, we know it can be. Um, and so I'm getting this feedback because they truly believe it's going to be the best for the company and the best uh, for our team to be more effective. Um, and I lucked out that I have two other co-founders that are willing to take that feedback as well as give it um, on top of also being friends, right? It's surrounding yourself with the right kind of business partners is uh, like so, 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 so important for a startup because um, I've seen it go sour in a lot of other businesses that have been around here um, and go sour really fast. Um, and, um, you know, number two is make sure, making sure that, you know, I, I surround myself as well with people that are outside the business, uh, business as well. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs are so like dug into what they're doing that everyone they're talking to has something to do with business at all times. And at first it's kind of fun. You feel like you're just kind of like really grinding and grinding and working hard. But then after a while, when the burnout starts to hit and it will hit everyone at some point, is when you realize like, you start to feel just really alone, right? Um, and of course I have, a, I have a girlfriend that really helps, but also I've, I make a point to have, um, you know, advisors outside of the business who can kind of give me like a sense of reality. Cause you know, when things are going, uh, things are going bad, you know, it feels like it's the end of the world. It's your business. You know, you're working with your investors who are, who want to be successful. So if things are negative, then a lot's negative versus you know, I have a few advisors that I can go to that have done this a few times and that are just good people in general that I'll say like, dude, calm down. You're not that important. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, like if this fails, then like you got to learn from it and, and just deal with it. Um, so really having like just a good like support network around you, friends, family advisors is, is extremely important. It absolutely is. You said something, you know, I was looking at some studies and some of the, uh, the, the men and women that make the biggest impact in the country, uh, many of them, like at a, a massive percentage, have another hobby mm. to prevent burnout. They have something else in their life completely counter to what they do for a profession that they pour resources in, dream in, do different things, and it keeps them fresh in the industry. And I don't know when that started. They may have figured it out halfway through a career where they just drive too hard in one direction. Uh, but I also know for myself that other hobby you know, it's kind of cool when something else in life is, is on an uptick, even when things at work aren't perfect, right? You at least have something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I could talk to like a, a very, you know, specific experience around that is, and this happens uh, a couple months ago, maybe it was maybe like July-ish. I don't remember exactly when, where I've always been bad about that. You know, I'm, I'm, I can get very you know, tunnel vision in what I'm doing. And that's something I constantly work on. Um, um, and I forget to have those extra things and forget to sit down and relax. 
And there was a Saturday where I went out. I needed some new jeans, so we we went out to Old Navy and uh, uh, not sponsored. Um, and got got some jeans. And uh, my girlfriend told me on the on the on the ride back. She says like, "You seem like you're in a really good mood today." And what came out of my mouth surprised me as well as her, and it made me realize like there's a change I need to have in my life. Um, and that is, I felt like a human person today. Like I wasn't just like a, a robot who has to sit down and build things and work for like solve problems. Like I got to go out and like get Starbucks, buy some clothes. Like we went out to eat and like, I felt like a human person. And it was a really, really good feeling that I didn't realize that I was even missing. Um, and so, yeah, no, I routinely, I say like, I do not work Saturdays. I said like at the very least, I will pull the all-nighters during the week if I need to. I will do all that, I'll prepare for the week on Sundays. Like Saturdays is time for just to be like human Austin Graham. I do the dishes. I listen to music. I play video games. I, I work on puzzles. Um, I'm a big puzzle guy. I try to like, you know, I, I finish them, glue them, hang them up, that kind of thing. Um, and that's my time to be a human person. And the rest of it is, is when it gets to be, you know, business Austin. Yeah. A while back I did that too. Like I won't even, I won't even make a checklist on Saturday. Like, like I got to the point where I refuse to think or do anything and I'll, I'll prep my week Sunday, but it's really refreshing. And I had to fight it for the longest time. I won't do anything on Saturday. That's my day as well. And I get completely refreshed by that. Hey, so one more question. Uh, I'm a big reader and, and I know, you know, as a, as a young professional, what's great is there's so much work out there before you. We can glean a lot from books. Are there a book or two that's some of your favorite or that you've really pulled a lot of information from? Oh, man, uh, I am forgetting the name of it. Um, right now, I'll have to get back to you on that. Hopefully, we can post it somewhere. But there is, um, there is a book that's actually recommended to me by um, our new lead investor, right? It's, it's one, of their, um, one of the MPs over there that said, you know, especially like me being a technical leader specifically, but applies to pretty much any leader. Um, he said, the, the, especially at the founder level, right? One of the biggest like uh, things that they're missing is kind of the people skills of actually managing the people around it because they're so focused on executing on the business itself. Um, and there's a book he recommended me I, I found awesome that really talked about how to transfer that skill set from I'm executing on things that aren't living and breathing to things that are living and breathing and how to bring in emotion to, and do that since, uh, with sincerity. Because uh, I mean, I think a lot of people will agree like leadership in business can be very non-sincere, um, especially when it comes to emotion, but how to really convey that and how to, how to um, uh, make that happen. And I will have to get you after this on the name of the books. I'm forgetting it, um, but I will, I will make a note to do that. Well, Austin, I appreciate your time, man. If, if somebody listens to this and wants to ask you a question or get a hold of you, do you have a preferred method of contact? Yeah, you can always uh, hit me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, just Austin Graham, uh, as well as you can send me an email, Austin, uh, Austin at respondflow.com. And I'm always happy to talk to anyone or anyone reach out, ask for help or uh, anything. I can you know, utilize my network. I got all kinds of people I know that can help with all kinds of different problems. So always feel free. That's the way to do it. Connections. Everybody. Thank you. I'm Kellen Cowan, New Wave Solutions. Austin, thank you for giving today, bro. Thank you.